The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options. In stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of the Yard. A lot to talk about today. A lot going on, shall we say. Big news, obviously, out of the uh, city of Starkville. We'll get to that a little bit later in the show. There are a lot of things I want to talk about today. The uh, The first and foremost is, uh, again, programming note, today's show will air, you know, I'm recording this uh, midday, and then uh, we'll record tomorrow night for your Friday show. And by the time that uh, you guys digest that, I'll be back in New Mexico. And then we'll uh, record a Monday show at some point. And then uh, I'm not sure if I'm coming back Tuesday or Wednesday. But I'll let you know on Monday. Probably uh, probably record your show. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how things go. But, uh, yeah, you will get uh, three shows this week and next week. And uh, I tell you this too, you know, look at the numbers here. The Boneyard had our biggest year ever last year. It wasn't even close. Boneyard continues to grow. And as I shared years ago, that uh, you're being the best friend your friends have when you retweet the show or you share it on Facebook. Very, very proud of what we've been able to build here over the years. Sometimes it just blows my mind how long I've been doing the show. I remember in the very beginning, I was reluctant to do the show, to be quite honest with you. Uh, Bulldog Sports Radio contacted me about doing a show, kind of specializing in recruiting, then it kind of evolved over time. We used to do a 25-minute show. That's what it was, 25 minutes. I was still in Baton Rouge back then. Of course, I've been in Starkville now almost nine years. But uh, for a couple of years there, we've been doing this show over 10 years now. It's pretty crazy. But it was a 25-minute show. We had three three advertisers then. We have four now. Of course, we have those programmatic ads as well, but um, we've come a long way. And there's no point in me being here if you guys aren't listening. And so many of you have come up to me at book signings or at a gas station or at a ball game or wherever and said, you know what, hey, Steve, thanks for doing the show. There are a lot of people out there that live outside of the big maroon bubble that, uh, you know, are able to depend on us to give them some news. And so I appreciate it. And probably the people that I appreciate the most our servicemen and women that have messaged me over the years, and there have been countless of them that have said, you know what, Steve, it's nice to get a little taste of home. I'm over here in harm's way, whether I'm in Iraq or Afghanistan or Germany or wherever. So you know what, it's nice to be able to log on and be able to listen to a little bit about Mississippi State and feel like a, a regular human being for a while. It is my gift to be able to give that to you. And uh, I appreciate your sacrifice for our great nation and all of us here at home, 
because uh, we're able to do what we want to do because you're doing the things that either we're not capable of doing or not willing to do. So thank you for all who serve. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. You talk about service, different brand of service, to say the least. But the Bulldog Burger Company out there doing a great job. Told you I had that Bulldog Burger Company earlier this week. I'm always satisfied. And there are a lot of places you go, it's kind of hit or miss. A lot of consistency at Bulldog Burger Company. Have the spring rolls as your appetizer. They'll make you better looking. It's in writing. Trust the science. Trust me. I didn't become beautiful Steve Robertson without a little help. Have that great restaurant quality hamburger. I'm a fan of the Sloppy Joe sliders, too. I think it's a great lunch portion. You know, when I was a kid, when uh, mom said, hey, we're doing Sloppy Joes, that was a treat. That was a big deal. It didn't feel like regular supper. So it kind of takes me back a little bit to those years. It's exciting. It is. But you can get the mission. I get the Pico de Gallo on the side when I get that. You can get the uh, Good Morning Burger. You can get uh, the Freshman 15. If you're not quite ready to walk on the wild side, the Bulldog Burger is absolutely the way to go. I'm a big proponent of uh, dessert to go. Get that chocolate shake. You can drink that on the way home. Maybe order that 10 minutes or so before you're ready to pay the check. They'll get that together for you. Bring that bread pudding home. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Star Vegas with that fabulous new patio area. Lake Harbor Drive in the Roots and Flowood area and Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Next time you're in town, go by and see those folks. If you want to get more than what you paid for, when it comes to a dining experience, go to Bulldog Burger Company. A lot of people out there cutting back portions, raising prices, sneaking in special convenience taxes and things like that. So they're asking you to pay more for less. That's not the case at Bulldog Burger Company. The same great taste with the same great price. Same great service, as always. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right. Let's talk about basketball. We, uh, you know, it, I sound like a broken record. I know. I, I do. I'm not a moral victories guy by any stretch. But I was proud of our effort last night. I thought we wore down a little bit on perimeter defense late. But uh, this ball game was tied at the half, 23-all. Nearly 9,000 people paid to see it. It's a great atmosphere in the Humphrey Coliseum last night. But, you know, hey, we thought we were about to see one of the biggest wins in recent history from Mississippi State men's basketball. Couldn't quite pull it off. But uh, offensively, things got going for us a little bit in the second half. But, uh, again, you know, Tennessee found their range from the three-point line. Next thing you know, uh, we're in trouble. They outscore us by 11 there in the second half and win the game 70-59. to Tennessee advances their record to 15 and three overall and five and one in the league. Bulldogs now 12 and six have lost three in a row and now one and five in the SEC. And I read some commentary at times on social media. And as I've said many times before, the best thing about social media and the worst thing is that anybody can use it. You know, there's no special skill. You just kind of sign up for an account and you can say whatever you want. It's not always the best of things. But some comments last night are like, oh, my gosh, this team is pitiful. I, I just don't agree. Now, are the results short of what we expect? Yeah, they are. But we all expected this team at times to struggle. I think we're struggling on the offensive end perhaps more than we expected. Let's just be fair about that. But I don't think anybody expected this to be an NCAA tournament team. Tennessee is. Tennessee, a top-ten team. We gave them all they wanted and then some last night. We just couldn't close the deal. 
But again, I'm excited about the direction of Mississippi State men's basketball. We, we, we have the effort. We have the character. We need some more offensive skill. That's the, the, the thing you look at here. But in the first half, we held Tennessee to 32% shooting. And again, they got it going there in the second half. 88.89% from three-point line in the second half. They were eight of nine. And that's really the difference in the ballgame. We held them a two of 15 in the first half. They found some open looks. They knocked down some contested shots. And it's just that kind of kind of ball game. And then 14 of 15 from the free throw line for them. So they did the little things and did the things they had to do. And, of course, they were missing a couple of players last night too. And so we didn't get them at full strength and, and missed a golden opportunity to put this thing away. But uh, not our best effort. But, uh, again, I thought we played extremely hard. We got our rebounded by 8, 39-31. We did get them in a little bit of foul trouble and uh, really did a good job ourselves kind of defending without fouling. Cam Matthews picked up a, you know, maybe a frustration foul or two late, but uh, he was the only guy that that, um, that had any real issue. You know, I, I think that's, you know, the thing you look at here with this team is that we're beginning to kind of play within ourselves. Offensively last night, again, it was kind of up and down, but uh, – you know, Shaquille Moore leads Mississippi State with 20 points, and that's coming off the bench, 29 minutes of action. 5 of 13 from the floor, 2 of 7 from 3, but 8 of 8 from the line. Bulldogs 14 of 22. You know, free throw shooting was abysmal for a while. The last two ball games, it has been much better. Much better, shall we say. Assist turnover ratio, not very good. We turned it over just 10 times, but just 9 assists. We also had 10 steals on the night. So we're turning them over a little bit. Tennessee just four steals. But they also, we also forced 17 turnovers. And, again, that's about your defensive effort. But they line it up and they shoot it from three, and that was really the big separator in the ballgame for us. Tolo Smith, another double-double, 11 points, 10 rebounds for him. Pretty solid night for him, but we need a little more offensive production. If we're going to be able to beat a team like Tennessee, we're going to have to have our stars play like stars. Deshaun Davis with nine points. DJ Jeffries with nine. Eric Reed Jr. with seven Cam Matthews with three, but, you know, Cam is not a guy that we expect to be a prolific scorer. He's a guy that's setting picks and getting rebounds and playing good defense for us. Probably our best defender, period, is Cameron Matthews. The guy plays with a really high level of intensity. But uh, we come up short. Again, kind of part of the deal. 24 points in the paint, 20 off turnovers, 11 second chance points, 7 fast break points, 10 bench points. The game was tied eight times and changed the lead seven times. So it was a competitive ball game. We just kind of ran out of gas late, and this is what happens. More times than not, the better team finds a way to win, especially late, and that's what happened. We just simply couldn't get it done, and uh, we'll take a quick look here at the final few minutes. You know, again, a very competitive ball game. You look up there under under 12, you know, State is up uh, – excuse me, State is uh, up one, up one. Was that right? And we're down one. Yeah, 11.25, we hit a three-pointer from Deshaun Davis that pushes us up two. So 44-42, and a lot of people that weren't watching the game decided to turn it on. You're thinking, hey, we got a chance here to pick up a top-10 win. We get to the under eight, and uh, we're down after the three-point basket from D.J. Jeffries. It's a one-point game. Tennessee leads 50-49, to and the Bulldogs just seem like they just wouldn't go away. They stretch it back out to six. Uh, right around the four-minute mark, and then a three-point shotter from um, Tennessee makes it 64-55. So it's a nine-point game, and I think that's when we all feel like this is probably ball game here. You know, it's just all of a sudden you get down three possessions, learn three minutes to go. It's difficult to come back there. 
State makes one free throw to pull within eight. And the next thing you know, under two, it's a 10-point game. And it goes back out to as much as 12. And State ultimately loses by 11. But, you know, right there, right there at six minutes, you're in the ballgame. And I venture, venture to say right there at the five-minute mark, you're in the ballgame. After Deshaun Davis knocks down that three, you start thinking, you know what? We get a stop here. We got a chance. But instead, they respond with a big three. And so, proud of the effort, not proud of the result. And, uh, again, I just encourage you to have a little patience with this team. You know, we just need some offensive pieces. It's that simple. The effort level is there. The defensive effort is there. Rebounding, we're competing. More times than not, we're getting out there and we're at least, you know, within, you know, 50% of the rebounds are going our way. In some games, we actually uh, dominate on the boards. But when you play a team like Tennessee, every possession matters. And that's kind of what happened here. I'm not going to say we lost our composure, but we missed on some open looks late. And they didn't. And that ended up being the separation there. But uh, we, we had a chance to do some big things. Just couldn't quite pull it off. But uh, Bulldogs be back in action uh, very soon. And I tell you guys, you know, once we we can ever get through the Big 12 Challenge and get into maybe uh, not playing the elite teams in this conference, we'd feel a little bit better. But we will be at home on Saturday against Florida. And then we get – we're on the road at Alabama next Wednesday. But uh, Saturday in Start Vegas – that's a 6.30 tip on the SEC Network. If you can come out and be a part of that, we encourage you to do so. Uh, we'll preview the show a little bit later in the week, or preview that game a little bit later in the week. But if we can get through that, if we could find a way to win a game or two and then get to the Big 12 Challenge against TCU, things really begin to even up a little bit. We got to go to South Carolina. We get Missouri at our place. We get OSU. We're at Arkansas. Kentucky it comes here. We go to Ole Miss. We're at Missouri. A&M, and then South Carolina for senior night, and we wrap up the regular season with a trip to Vanderbilt. So you start looking there, you know, with the exception of maybe Kentucky, and, and I guess you could argue Arkansas, and Missouri's playing a pretty good brand of basketball too. You know, you got a chance here to maybe even this thing up. You know, a lot of, in the preseason, we're all talking, man, if we can find a way to get anywhere close to 500. I just, I don't, I don't see it at this point. I don't. But in no way am I down on Chris Jans and that staff. I, I really admire the competitive nature of this team. We just don't quite have the talent yet to compete with the better teams in this league. And it's his job to get them. And he will. I don't, I don't have any doubt about that. I think Chris Jans do a great job finding the players that kind of fit his system and the, uh, the blue-collar appeal of everything. So better days are ahead. We're kind of having to endure this season rather than enjoy it. But uh, the difference is, you know, with rare exception, State is in every one of these games. I mean, that's the thing. Tennessee absolutely demolished us up in Knoxville. But outside of that, it's been really competitive. You know, of course, you win your first 11, right? You drop a very competitive game in Lincoln against Drake. You play Alabama here, and that was a game for a while, and then we kind of wore down, and then Tennessee gets us. We bounce back and beat Ole Miss. We lose at Georgia, a game we should have won. Now, Georgia's playing kind of up and down, but uh, playing pretty well. And then you could argue we should have won at Auburn. And so you look at this and you say, okay, yes, it's year one, but it's not like that we're getting absolutely demolished on the court. And with rare exception, we're in every one of these games. And so if you can find a semblance of offense, if you can put some runs together late, you got a chance to steal some of these games because we're, you know, more times than not, we're holding teams at or beneath their season average. 
and just give Chris Jans a little time to work. I know we all want to win. We want to win big. And I appreciate everybody that turned out the hump last night, came out to support the team. I think many of you are buying into what's happening with Mississippi State men's basketball. And so I encourage you to continue to make that investment because I believe you're going to reap the benefits from that uh, sooner rather than later. Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y dot com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You get keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You get fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. And that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient, it's safe, it's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet 
is happier and healthier than ever. All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tecovis want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comforts, so no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and our friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tacovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to Tacovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Let's jump over to the women's side. Uh, ladies will be in action tomorrow night against Auburn. We've talked about that here on the Monday show. It's a game we should win. It is. Ladies are now 13-5, and 2-3 and three in the conference. You know, I haven't watched Auburn's women play this year. You know how it was back when we were rolling. You'd watch everybody. But uh, Thursday night, it is a whiteout, so we encourage our fans to wear white. Now, if you're a student, I know many of you are, the first 100 students get a free popcorn voucher. All the more reason to get in line early. Who doesn't like free popcorn, right? Everything is kind of made better with popcorn, right? I, I used to eat popcorn for breakfast every day. Get that bag of microwave popcorn, throw a little Tabasco in there, get some chocolate milk. That may sound gross to you, but it was heaven for me. But uh, free popcorn for the first 100 students, right? So be sure and get out there and support the team. And we need a great atmosphere. And uh, I think what, what we're seeing from our students is very positive. Uh, I love the students. Of course, uh, one of my children is a senior at Mississippi State. And then when she graduates, we'll, we'll, we'll have another Robertson move into the, the, uh, the student body up there at Mississippi State. Excited about that. Be three of my four that will be Mississippi State alums when it's all said and done. Encouraging the oldest to get his master's degree online through Mississippi State so he also can claim to be a Bulldog alum. But uh, you guys are, are having a great experience. And again, the students kind of set the tone for our atmosphere there. So students, I love you. And I appreciate your contributions to Mississippi State Athletics. I want to encourage you too, if you're a student. When you begin to think about graduation and an exit strategy, there are a lot of universities out there that already talk to you guys about capital giving. We don't really do that at Mississippi State, and we should. We should get people to take ownership in the program. I know it's difficult kind of starting that life, and it's like, you know what, Steve, I'm just kind of learning to pay bills. But I think if you get in the habit of giving early and contributing to Mississippi State, it's an important aspect of things. It doesn't matter if it's, uh, you know, 50 bucks a month, 100 bucks a year, whatever. Any contribution that you make is very much appreciated, whether it be the Bulldog Initiative or the Bulldog Club. And as always, I encourage you to be a season ticket holder whenever you can. You know, there were times, you know, I had four kids at home. We wanted to be season ticket holders, and, you know, we were Sky Dogs. Many of you were up there with us. And they had those cool little gifts. I still got some of them around here, the Sky Dog uh, gift for every game. We kept them. 
We're proud to have them because we're Bulldogs. And so there's not a lot of those incentives these days for that sort of thing. But I encourage you to get out for the love of your team and love of the university and go support the ladies. Again, I believe the ladies ultimately will make the NCAA tournament. Not expecting the men. Maybe we sneak into the NIT. But I think the ladies have the pieces to be very competitive in the Southeastern Conference. And I think that's an important aspect of this too. Whereas, you know, I think there are a lot of teams out there that are kind of happy to see the Mississippi State men on their schedule because they feel like they can probably outscore them. I don't know if that's really the case with the women. When the women are clicking, they're very difficult to beat. Very, very, very difficult to beat. And again, we didn't have a very challenging non-conference schedule, but the ladies are 13-5 and five right now. And they have a really good chance of finishing at 500 or better in this league. You saw it against South Carolina. You've got good coaching. You have talent to go toe-to-toe with the best team in the country, probably you know, the current dynasty in women's basketball, and only lose that game by seven. It's pretty important. It is. And again, it's a measuring stick. It's still a loss, right? It's still a loss, to say the least. But I think that many of you said, you know what, I'm going to buy into this. Because with the level of effort they're playing with, because a lot of people got off the bandwagon after we lost to Ole Miss and said, hey, we don't lose to them. We can't lose to them. We did. We did. Still got a chance to get even with them up at their place. And give Coach Yo and them credit. They're playing well. They have been. She's turned that program around. Then you lose to Tennessee and you start thinking, well, you know, one and two in the league. And then you lose to South Carolina. But you bounce back and you you blast A&M, not, not a good A&M team. And so that makes this Auburn game so important. We have a chance to pull even in the league. And you're not going to see South Carolina again the rest of the year unless you uh, see them in the SEC tournament. So every other game you look at and say, you know, well, we got a puncher's chance here. Got a chance. Get Tennessee at our place uh, here in uh, a couple weeks. Need everybody to turn out for that. Tennessee's playing well. You know, LSU obviously playing well. But you got a shot. And we need to make sure that we're out there competing at a high level and getting great fan support. Uh, we have to go down to the uh, to the uh, Pete Maravich Assembly Center to play LSU. And with uh, Kim Mulkey down there, I don't know if you, I don't know if you if you know this. Still trivia question that uh, she is former LSU shortstop Kramer Robertson's mom. Her name is actually Robertson. No relation to me. Her husband may be. Her son may be. Uh, but I think Kim Mulkey's a great coach, and I think that's a big game hunting type situation for Scott Woodard to go out there and get a named coach like that. And LSU obviously is rolling, but it's a lot of basketball left to be played uh, between now and then. Real quickly, let's look at the SEC women's basketball standings and just kind of see what's in front of us. You know what I'm saying? It's like sometimes you be, we, we get so caught up in kind of what's happening with us and we get in the big maroon bubble, we don't always see what else is out there. But uh, looking at the, uh, at the conference standings here, and I, I appreciate so many people that, uh, that keep that information handy for us. I wish the folks at Google could do a better job of that. Don't you? You know what I'm talking about? Like you go Google college football, SEC football schedule, and it gives you like the entire country. And they may think that's the right way to go. But if I wanted the national football schedule, I would go look for that. Uh, but looking at the standings here, if we could find them, my goodness. Here we go. LSU 6-0, South Carolina 6-0, Tennessee 6-0, Ole Miss 5-1, Arkansas 4-1, Alabama 3-2, Missouri 3-3, and there's Mississippi State 2-3, Georgia 2-4, Florida 1-4, Kentucky 1-5, Auburn 0-5, Vanderbilt 0-5, A&M 0-6. Of course, State's two wins over the bottom two teams in the standings 
However, you're going to play the next three, Florida, Georgia, Florida, Kentucky, and Auburn here in the weeks to come. So, again, Mississippi State may be a middle-of-the-pack team in the SEC this year. Maybe. Maybe so. And maybe you can't truly compete with LSU, South Carolina, Tennessee at this point. Uh, you know, Ole Miss came in here and I thought played well against us. We should have won the game in, uh, late in the ballgame in that fourth quarter. They, they kind of took charge. But you start thinking about here, Mississippi State being in the middle, we could finish in the top half of the league and I think ultimately find our way into the NCAA tournament, which would be remarkable in Sam Purcell's first year. Sam is also implementing a system, installing his culture here. The good thing is, is that Vic Schaefer recruited some of these players, and so they know what it's like to win. They know what it's like to be around, you know, a coaching staff. It's very demanding of them. And then we kind of lost our way there, you know, for a couple of years. But we're not so far removed from the great successes of Vic Schaefer that we're just starting from scratch. It's just simply not the case. And I'm excited again about the future. We talked about that on Monday's show. But we really need to find a way to get hot here and go on a bit of a run even there are so many of you that are so incredibly loyal to Mississippi State uh, women's basketball. A lot of you really done a great job there, uh, kind, of, kind of making that thing happen. But um, and people have kind of got in the habit of going. For years and years and years, like when David Murray was the SID for women's basketball, he could take attendance by hand, and it was free to attend. It's not like that anymore. We've kind of grown up a little bit. But, uh, again, you get Auburn, and then you get Kentucky – both of those games in Humphrey Coliseum, and this is these are two teams that have combined to win exactly one SEC game. You got to have them both. You absolutely got to have them both. I don't think there's any question about it. And then we get that road trip, uh, you know, to Oxford. So you could be in a situation where you you've won three in a row and kind of got your legs under you a little bit, and that's uh, next Thursday night in Oxford. So if you're in Mississippi and considering uh, some entertainment options, that may be for you. I encourage you to go support the team whenever you can. Excited, as you are as well. All right, time for today's top 10 list is brought to you as always by CloseWithBlair.com. Blair Chandler is a mortgage professional. Blair has been in the industry 21 years, back-to-back years, top 1% close ratio in the country. If you got to do business, do business with somebody that knows the business they're in. There are a lot of people that are just starting out, and listen, God bless them and wish them the best. But if you're going to trust something as important as your mortgage to an individual, work with somebody that's got decades of experience. If, you, if you've been in any industry for 20-plus years, you're very established. You know the ins and outs of that. And that's Blair Chandler. He will go and fight tooth and nail with underwriting to get your loan approved. He knows how to structure loans. So maybe perhaps things just kind of skate right through. Other people may not have that know-how. Visit him today at CloseWithBlair.com at C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Now let me give you a cell number, his personal cell number, 601-500-2344, 601-500-2344. You can call and text him direct. You don't have to go through a receptionist or go to somebody's voicemail or, or, or hope that your message gets delivered, right? You can go directly to him because he wants to be available to you. If you mention to him you heard about him on the boneyard, he's going to pay for your appraisal. That's, a, that's about a $500 value. A lot of fees associated with getting the mortgage approved. Blair Chandler is willing to pay some of those for you. Again, that's Blair Chandler at 601-500-2344. Okay. I turned to Roy today and said, Roy, I need some suggestions for the top 10 list. It turned out our friend Gordon Griffin had a good idea. I'll read you Gordon's message. Because, see, Gordon is one of those kinds of folks, too, that um, 
has done a lot of stuff. You know, we got married, raised kids, all that kind of stuff. And he says, uh, how about new albums or songs from old bands? I haven't kept up with recent releases from some bands that I previously followed fairly closely. Life gets busy, there's changes in how music is dispersed, etc. So I thought this might be a fun one. And you know what, Gordon? You came exactly to the right guy. Because while many of you have moved on, I have not. I'm not lost in the 80s. I still enjoy some modern rock, but I still keep up with the bands that I loved that I grew up with. I tell you guys, many times when I travel, which will probably be the case on Friday when I'm traveling, I listen to that Operation Minecrime album from Queensryche in its entirety. It's a concept album, tells a great story. There's like a little acting and some things like that that happens in between the songs, and the songs kind of set the tone. It's a, it's a musical in many respects. It's incredible. I love it. One of my favorite albums of all time. I would venture to say the album is darn near perfect. And I've had those discussions lately too. What are, you know, give me a couple of albums from the uh, 80s rock scene that are perfect from start to finish. Well, that's one of them for me, for sure. There's no skips. And so I'm going to catch you up today. Some of your favorite bands, some of your favorite rock bands from the 80s have released new music in the last, I don't know, 15 months or so. And you may have missed it. And so many of you get tired of picking music and you get tired of podcasts and, you know, uh, when I travel, I listen to a lot of Dateline NBC podcasts because it holds my attention because usually when I'm traveling, it's not just a trip down to Jackson, right? It's usually something out of state. And so I need something to kind of occupy my mind and take my mind off the, um, the in some cases, thousands of miles I have to travel. Uh, so I'm going to give you a playlist today of new material from some of your old favorites. Thanks to the suggestion of Gordon Griffin. Okay, number 10 on the list is a band that uh, I named my youngest son after this band's lead singer. It's Ian Asbury from The Cult. Had a chance to see those guys at Rocklahoma, and uh, we were guests of them. It's very, very nice. My friend Mark took care of all that. But The Cult released an album called Under the Midnight Sun earlier this year, or late last year. And it's uh, called Under the Midnight Sun. The, the track that we're going to go with, there are a couple of singles that have already been released. I, I like the one, Give Me Mercy. I think Billy Duffy's guitar on this is incredible. It is quintessential cult. Ian Asbury has always been that big voice. You can tell, you know, maybe he's aging a little bit, a little raspy in the low register, but can still hit the big notes. All right, number nine. It seems like this band is never going to slow down, ever, ever. And I'm proud to say that uh, Dave Mustaine is in recovery. He is an advocate for people in recovery and is still suffering addict. And uh, I know some people in recovery that have met him. I have not. I would like to meet him someday. But Megadeth released an album called The Sick, The Dying, and The Dead. And probably my favorite track on that album, and there are a bunch of them that are absolutely blistering. It's a song called We'll Be Back from Megadeth. It's number nine on your list today. We'll Be Back from Megadeth. Number eight. Now, this is a band, too, that I liked an awful lot in the beginning. And and once they got super popular and then all the preps started listening to them, and all of a sudden I'd go to school and there'd be some kid with uh, acid-washed jeans on with his, uh, his jeans rolled up and his Dexter's on with no socks, and he'd be wearing a Def Leppard Hysteria shirt. All of a sudden, you know, while that album was incredible, they kind of lost my appeal. Right? You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's funny how life works sometimes. Like, you get all into a band, and all of a sudden they get very successful, and it's like, oh, they're sellouts, right? It's funny how that works. It's like we want to keep these bands like our own little secret. 
like kind of keep them to ourselves, which is selfish. But I'm happy that people have had some success. But uh, even after hysteria, I kind of stayed on the Def Leppard train, though I do think that High and Dry and Pyromania are the better albums. Def Leppard was big. They were huge. And on the Hysteria Tower tour, they played in the round. And if you went and saw that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The stage was round, and they played it in the middle of the Coliseum, and they just walked around, and it was pretty cool. But Def Leppard released an album called Diamond Star Halos here recently, and uh, the, the first single from that album is pretty strong. It's a, it's a track called Kick. Maybe you're unfamiliar with it. I encourage you to check it out. Def Leppard's still re- releasing new material regularly. All right, number seven, a band that I saw recently with the homie Sam Denton in Memphis. Had never seen these guys before, had never met them before. I'd interacted with Ace Van Johnson, some on Twitter. Ace is uh, a guy that uses his platform uh, to help get dogs adopted and things like that. He's a pit bull advocate. I'm not a pit bull person, but uh, I respect the fact that somebody that have received some type of a claim and have built a following based on their talent will use it to help other causes. And so I respect him for that. I had a chance to tell him that. And uh, one of my favorite albums from last year is from LA Guns. It's Checkered Past. I like the album pretty much from start to finish. There are a couple songs in there that I might skip over, but my favorite track on that album is a guitar-driven track. I think it's Tracy Guns at its absolute best. It's a song called Cannonball. Absolutely love it. It opens up the album. There's a couple other ones on there that are a little bit different. But Cannonball will absolutely get in your face a little bit. So if you're looking for a guitar-driven, driving, in-your-face, get-out-of-my-way track, it's Cannonball from LA Guns. Number six, my friends and Lillian Axe uh, recorded From Womb to Tomb last year, and uh, they were gracious enough to do a tour stop here in Starkville for the first time ever and came and headlined Rock Vegas for it. What a great night that was. Had a lot of fun. It's always cool to, to kind of, worlds were colliding, right? It's like my friends in the rock world are coming to, to see my friends in the sports world. And so I appreciate uh, Steve, Blaze, and, and uh, everybody involved with Lillian Axe for what they did and uh, hope to see them here in a few weeks. Uh, Steve had, uh, had surgery here recently for uh, carpal tunnel syndrome, which is tough for a guitarist, but he's back playing again. They had a, an acoustic show, him and Brent did, down in Baton Rouge, and I wasn't able to make it down there for that. But uh, any time that Lillian is within a reasonable driving distance, I go to the show. And uh, we may be in Chalmette here in a few weeks, going to see him. We just got to see how things play out. But uh, From Woman Tomb is a concept album. It is much different than the rest of the catalog, and it is also the first album with Brent Graham on vocals. Uh, Brent is a huge guy, huge really big guy i'm a big guy he makes me look small but my favorite track off from wound the tomb i know a lot of people are thinking you know what hey it's gonna be this gonna be that no it's it's the golden dragon i love steve's guitar work on this and and unbeknownst to many of you uh stevie blaze writes everything writes absolutely everything so he wrote the album and he's already worked on the second one and uh, when they came to starkville they played the song called feelings of absent live for the very first time so that's something that's kind of a trivia question i guess for for those of us that are lillian fans but uh, they're currently this weekend shooting a video for that which will be the second single from the album from one the tomb but uh golden dragon that's the one for me i like feelings of absence but golden dragon that one really gets to me all right so number five on our list some more friends of ours and um 
I love having a chance to hang out with these guys anytime they're within a reasonable driving distance. I try to go. Uh, Chad and Danny, uh, Tammy, Sam, Ronnie. I-, I love the direction of things. Faster Pussycat has released some new music here. Uh, and I think probably the best single they've released, maybe, maybe since the Whipped album. Maybe. And that's on your list today. It's Like a Ghost from Faster Pussycat, number five. And uh, very quintessential sleaze rock, guitar-driven. Does a great job. Tammy is great. And uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, Tammy is in recovery now. And so we get a chance to talk about that a little bit when we get together. And uh, I do consider those guys my friends, and I feel a sense of obligation to go support them when they come. And so if Faster Pussycat is ever within um, you know, a couple of hours or even a little bit longer, if you're going to that show, chances are I'll be there. And uh, really happy for these guys. And uh, they have done, in many respects, kind of reinvented themselves as a touring and traveling band. You know, for a long time, you know, they didn't get to get out and do a whole lot. But uh, the band puts on a tremendous live show. I love how Ronnie and Sam kind of do the dual lead thing now. And the tone of the guitar work is very, very similar to the classic Faster Pussycat sound. And I think that is evident in this song, Like a Ghost. All right, number four. Now, this is kind of a, a cover of a cover of an original song, if that makes sense. And maybe that maybe I'm maybe I'm conflating the issue here. But Guns N' Roses has not released any true new material in a long time. The Chinese democracy was kind of a joke for a long time. We finally got that done. Of course, uh, Bumblefoot and Buckethead played guitar on that. And then we had the reunion with Slash and Duff back in the band. Izzy, of course, is just not, has not kept the, the chops up, and they tried to make it work. Steven Adler wanted to join. They just haven't been able to pull that together. But you do have a version of Guns N' Roses now that is pretty true to the original. Now, there was a song that was recorded during the Chinese Democracy Sessions called Hard School, and that was released in late September of t- 2021. The EP came out in early 2022, but the great song is Hard School. Now, on that EP, you've got a couple live tracks, and you've got a couple of previously unreleased songs, Absurd and Hard School. I think Hard School kind of goes back to the classic Guns N' Roses sound, and uh, there there's rumors of a new album in the works. Wouldn't that be incredible? I know they're, they're touring the world now and selling out arenas. People are happy to see Guns N' Roses again live. People want to rock. It's just that simple. People want to rock, but there are a lot of bands out there that aren't giving them a reason to go buy a ticket or go buy a record. That's one of the things that I think is wrong with the modern rock scene. There's just not this relationship between the fans and the bands that there once were. And nowadays, you can go to you know you can go to a show, and chances are you get a chance to meet your heroes. You know, sometimes I go see these modern rock bands, and it's like you know a guy steps up on stage like he just got done you know working an eight-hour shift in Subway. You know, image matters. I know people say that the music matters most. No, when it, when you go to a live show, you want to see a show. You don't want to just see you know something you could see anywhere else. You know, I love the uh, folks at Dave's Dark Horse. I do. But I don't want to see them at a major show not putting on a major show. It's one thing to just plug in and play, you know, at a bar and grill or something. It's another thing, you know, when people are going to go pay 40, 50 bucks for a ticket you better put on a show. And so I think that's one of the things, too. I remember being a kid, like when I would go see you know, Motley or Whitesnake or whoever, I couldn't believe I was in the same room with them. It's like, is this real? Are you sure? Am I really here? Is this happening? 
And even now when I go to some shows and I see a band I hadn't seen before, it's like, I can't believe it. I'm, I'm so glad I finally get to see this band in person. But uh, I think Guns N' Roses, number one, is uh, a band that's kind of across all generations. They are a classic band. They are. And so young people and old people alike are pouring out to go see Guns N' Roses. And now, especially now that Slash is back. It's, it's a little different. When it was just Axel with a bunch of hired musicians, it wasn't the same. Even though I do like the Chinese Democracy album, it's just something about Slash with that Les Paul and Duff laying down the bass line that makes it Guns N' Roses. All right, number three. We mentioned him earlier in the show. One of my favorite bands of all time, even though Jeff Tate is no longer the singer, I think Todd LaTour does a good job. I think this is the best Queensryche album since Jeff Tate left the band. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's just not the same. And you know what? I agree. It's not the same. That's not to say it's not good. I think this new album from Queensryche, Digital Noise Alliance, is a masterpiece. I think it is fabulous. If you have ever loved Queensryche, I would encourage you, Put this on and listen to it, and you'll be glad you did. My favorite track on that album is a deeper track. It's a song called Realms. I love the guitar on this. I, I had a chance to go see him with Judas Priest in South Haven with Roy. I had a conflict. I couldn't go. I double booked. I had to go do the, the, the speaking gig rather than go to the show. And I hope it's not my last chance to see Judas Priest in Queens, right? But, uh, but it is. At some point, there is the final show, right? But I love this new Queen's Rack album. I listen to it when I travel. And uh, again, it's one of those albums you can just kind of put on from start to finish. And even if you're not familiar with the tracks, I think you'll find some things that you really like. It's kind of a journey. All right, number two, off the Patient number nine album. And we, we just talked about this on the Jeff Beck list. It's Ozzy Osbourne. There are so many good songs on this album. I think it's the best Ozzy album probably... I don't know, maybe since, um, I, I don't want to go as far back as No More Tears, but maybe the height of the Mike Inez, Zach Wilde version of the Ozzy Osbourne experience. It's great. Now, the song that I'm going with, and there's a reason that I picked this one. Number one, it is an amazing guitar track called Immortal. And I saw a meme yesterday. It's like, what would the odds be of uh, if you made a bet that Motley Crue would still be alive back in 84. They'd be alive in 2023. Would you, you know, what would be your take? And people are like, the same thing for Ozzy. And it is amazing Ozzy is still alive considering his substance abuse issues and he's supposedly working a program of recovery now. But um, still making great music, man. He does. And so when you hear Immortal, you're going to think, man, this is incredible. This guitar track is incredible. Well, let me tell you who the guitar player is. It's Mike McCready from Pearl Jam. Oh, that's right. You weren't expecting that. And you're going to be amazed. You're going to be absolutely amazed to hear Mike McCready play metal. Because you've heard him play Pearl Jam and Mother Love Ball and all that kind of stuff. You've heard him play the alternative rock stuff and the grunge stuff for years and years and years. Mike's a metal guy. Oh, you didn't know? You, you, when you pl plug in this track here, you're going to be like, holy smokes. Mike McCready can absolutely grind. And when you put that track on, you're going to be like, Steve, you're right. It's a whole other side of Mike McCready. I think when you go listen to this album, there's so many guest spots, like Zach Wilde plays on a couple tracks, and Jeff Beck plays on a couple tracks, and then, of course, uh, Mike McCready. You're going to be blown away. I I'm telling you, if you don't listen to any other song on this list today, listen to that one. Ozzy's Immortal with Mike McCready from Pearl Jam. You're going to be amazed. But number one for me, I like this album in its entirety. 
Uh, it is kind of going back to the classic Skid Row sound. They've got a new singer. Sebastian's not with them. And uh, talking to... I've got, I've, Scotty Hill and I have some mutual friends, and I have another friend that knows Rachel Bowen, and uh, said, hey, it's just never going to happen. I mean, there's just not a check big enough that they can write for us to perform with Sebastian. It's just, there's just so much involved. And uh, I know the, from what I was told, the last negotiation, Sebastian wanted to make more than the rest of the guys in the band rather than everybody getting an equal share or whatever. And, you know, you got to think, I mean, you know, you know, Scotty Hill and Rachel Bowen and those guys, they've been playing these same songs for years. They've never stopped touring either. They had Johnny Solinger for a while as a singer, and sadly Johnny died last year. He'd already been replaced. And they had Tony Harnell from a while from TNT, who was a phenomenal singer. I wish that would have worked out. But, um, you know, Sebastian's kind of done his own thing, but Skid Row has still remained Skid Row for years and years and years. And so they've kept that movement alive, and so they deserve to, you know, their equal share. But... I love this track from the Skid Row's The Gang's All Here album. The title track is great, but my favorite one is Hell or High Water. I love it. It's, it, remind, it sounds like it, it should have been released in 89. It's absolutely phenomenal. I think that you'll dig it. Uh, it is probably my favorite song from a classic rock band, and they're not a nostalgia act. There are a lot of people out there that can't get new music recorded because they can't get a record company to front the money. That's not the case with Skid Row. It's their first new album in a few years. And, yeah, they're playing the hits. And uh, you can see them here in the next few months as they're out on the road with Buck Cherry. It's a good chance I'll go see them in March, too. Kind of depends on the wife's work schedule. But I want to see them. And because we have mutual friends, I'm hoping to get on the guest list and go over there and be able to, you know, meet the guys in Skid Row. Well, how cool would that be? But um, be that as it may, I think you'll enjoy the list. A lot of names from the rock scene of the 80s on this list. And, again, I know your tastes change, right? Everybody kind of moves on at some point. But if you need a refresher course about kind of who was who back in the 80s, there's a lot of those bands on this list. So I hope you enjoy the list. Those of you that were true to metal and maybe you've uh, lost your way a little bit, this will uh, put the accelerator maybe a little bit deeper than normal when you're driving. Great list. I love the list. I was happy to do this. Gordon, thanks so much for the idea. If you guys have ideas for the top 10 list, reach out and let us know. The best way to do that is to hit up Roy on Twitter at dogmatic67. That's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. And you can download our great list at Spotify also, dogmatic67. Give Roy a follow on Twitter and Spotify. You'll be glad you did. He's not going to be tweeting out pictures of his food, okay? He's not going to do that. He's not going to do a bunch of political stuff. It's a safe follow, right? There's sometimes you follow some people and they're just flooding your timeline with nonsense. That's not Roy. Roy's a little more subdued, a little more laid back. Guy loves Mississippi State, uh, loves music, has been a good friend to me and a good friend of the show. So, again, thanks, as always, for your support of the Top Ten List. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by your friends at Campus Book Mart. Campus Book Mart, a Stark Villian institution. I love Campus Book Mart. I recently went in there and dropped some coin, man. Had to go get some Mike Leach merch. You can still find that at campusbookmart.net. When you're in town, go by and see them. But if you live in the, perhaps the mission field, maybe outside of God's country, you can still procure some fine Mississippi State merchandise from the destination, Campus Bookmart. Go to campusbookmart.net and use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75, absolutely incomplete. When I go in there, I always drop 75 plus. I don't order a whole lot because it's local for me. But, you know, because you listen to this show, we're going to be able to help you take care of that. Be sure and visit them today. 
Bully Shop's been completely renovated. Everything's upstairs now. They're out of textbook business, which allowed them to expand their selection of Mississippi State merchandise to the greatest selection in the known universe. Again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. Okay, perhaps our top story, uh, Tulu Griffin is staying at Mississippi State. Now, we have heard here in the last couple of days things were trending in the right direction. And then yesterday, I was told by a couple of different sources that, yeah, everything is going to be okay. This morning, uh, it was a little, uh, you know, up and down, I guess. Everybody felt good, but also felt a little bit nervous, you know, until they make the formal announcement. You just simply never know. And then shortly after noon today, Tulu Griffin tweets out from his personal Twitter account, thank you, Coach Arnett, Michael Tardy, and my Bulldog family. I'm back with the I emoji, hashtag Hell State. So that is huge to get Tulu back. We have talked about him extensively on the show uh, since he announced he was going into the portal. What a big loss that would be for Mississippi State. Tulu Griffin makes Mississippi State a better football team, an absolute better football team. And anybody that disputes that, I think, just hadn't been paying attention. He is an elite kick returner. He has incredible vision and, of course, incredible foot speed. He has been underutilized at Mississippi State, and I think that's where probably some of this comes from is the fact that uh, Tulu needs to be on the field more. I think we all know this. That, that's, that's something I think that we can all agree is that we need to make Tulu Griffin a bigger part of our offense, and my hope is Kevin Barbe will do that. Chad Bumpus, of course, will know how to utilize him. I think their skill sets are somewhat similar, and to be quite honest with you, all due respect to Bump, even in his prime, I think Tulu could beat him in a foot race. So we get Tulu Griffin back, and I'll tell you, it, it's one of those things. You know, it's like we're always waiting to exhale. Pardon the punt, the punt but it's like there's always something. And it seems like Mississippi State has had, you know, a, a lot to, uh, to, to worry about here in recent weeks. Obviously, you know, Coach Mike Leach passes away unexpectedly. There is a very short but I think very effective coaching search is you get Zach Arnett promoted from within. Then we disassemble the offensive coaching staff. And then there's all this, you know, trying to find an offensive coordinator. And that that search proved to be a little bit tumultuous at times, but ended really well. Then there's Dylan Johnson that leaves. Ra-Ra leaves. I mean, it's like every time you turn around, there's never a chance to just kind of stop and, and kind of get, you know, your bearings. So my hope is now that the portal will close in uh, less than 12 hours now that we don't expect any drama for a while. You know, just over a couple weeks now, we'll uh, we'll have signing day, obviously, and uh, we've got some new enrollees that are uh, joining our program from the transfer portal. And so it should be good news for a while. We shouldn't have this thing every single day just kind of holding your breath and clutching your pearls and just saying, okay, what's going to happen today? Because it's been so up and down, up and down, up and down. Well, this is very much a very positive development for Mississippi State to get Tulu back. The thing that I worry about, not specifically with Tulu, but just in general, is the way that things are changing in college athletics. And some people say it's a good thing. I'm not sure that I agree. You know, it's like at this point, the university and the athletic department really doesn't have a lot of leverage. You know, the balance of power has shifted, I think, maybe a little bit too much to the student-athlete. Whereas the point that you, I mean, you could have student-athletes holding you hostage. 
right? Let's say for an example, like you look at this uh, Jaden Rashada thing with Florida. You know, we talked about him on the uh, Monday show. He was initially committed to Miami. He flips to Florida. Now he is asking out of his NIL because some NIL prom, excuse me, out of his national letter of intent because some NIL promises weren't capped. And so is this going to be a semester to semester thing around the country? Are you going to have players that say, hey, listen, the portal opens up on May 1st, and if I'm not where I need to be on the depth chart or I think I should be, I'm going to leave. I think you've got to structure these NIL deals where the big payoff comes after the portal window closes. you got to give them some incentive to stay. Now, this whole thing with Rashada just flies in the face of everything that we have been told about NIL. When they first rolled it out to us, they said, there's a quid pro quo. There's market value. So I'll give you a good example. I won't give you amounts because it's not important. But we, uh, my publisher paid Kellum Clark to do a video for us. I went and shot the video myself of Kellum Clark advertising for Dogpile. We're happy to do it. And so the value that we paid him was a fair and equitable amount for the time that he committed. It's not a lot of money, but he can take a girl on a nice date somewhere. I mean, you know, basically five minutes of his time, he got a nice little payday. Well, that's legal. That's the right way to do things. But what's happening now with these collectives and things of that nature, like what could Jaden Rashada do that is worth $13 million for the University of Florida? You can say, well, you know, he could be a star quarterback. He could lead them to the SEC championship. Okay, great. Then structure the deal that way. You can't do pay for play. But basically what's happening now is we're using the NIL for what amounts to illegal inducements to pick schools. And now you see that this, the collective, the Gator Collective, is not paying off. And I read an article, and again, I, I didn't do the research myself, so I don't know for sure what's what's accurate and what's not. But that Scott Strickland had to get involved and talk to some of these donors and said, hey, listen, what's happening here? You know, And the university should never have to get involved with fundraising efforts on the NIL. We talk about it being the wild, wild west and Pandora's box or whatever euphemism you want to use. This is not sustainable. And somebody, whether it be the NCAA, the federal government or whatever, somebody's got to step in and say, hey, we got to make some changes. Let's say you, John Q. Bulldog, somebody comes to you and says, hey, listen, we need $10,000 from you for us to get this player or for us to keep this player or for us to make this player happy. And you write the check for 10 grand because you're a good bulldog. You say, Hey, listen, this is the price of poker these days. I'm happy to help. I have it. God's blessed me. I'm, I'm, I'm eager to help bless somebody else. Well, then what happens? You write that check and then all of a sudden, two weeks later, that player goes in the portal. You're going to write that check next year. I would venture to say most people won't. And Nick Saban called that back in the summer. He goes, you know what? People are going to beat their chest and say, I got that player to come to Alabama. Then all of a sudden he gets hurt or he's not playing or he's disenchanted and he becomes a cancer in locker room. Then he leaves and all of a sudden you don't get the return on your investment. It's like I paid all this money for this kid to come here and now he's in the portal and he transfers to Auburn or he transfers to LSU. 
can I get my money back? Well, of course you can't. And then you start breaking this thing down and you realize, okay, well, maybe they didn't get the full $10,000 check you wrote. Where's the rest of that money going? There's just some things that have to happen here. I don't have all the answers. But I think what needs to happen here is we've got to have some type of declaration where we have a collective bargaining agreement. You know, one of the things that I've heard around the country talking to some of my media peers is let's say, for an example, that you have four cornerbacks or four defensive backs, and they all start. And let's say you have a guy that's an NFL prospect. It's like, okay, we're going to give everybody 10 grand, but we don't want this guy to go pro. We don't want this guy to transfer, so we're going to give him 25000 Well, then the kids all get together and talk and say, what'd you get, what'd you get, what'd you get? Well, of course, it's all supposed to be confidential, but you know that it's not. Well, then the guys that got 10000 find out that their teammate got 25000 Now, you and I both know they're all in practice every day. Everybody knows who the better players are. But it's like, well, wait a minute. I thought he may get more than me, but why did he get more than double than me? Well, now I got to go back to the collective and say, hey, I'm going to transfer. You gave him 25000 I only got 10000 So I want 20000 or I want 15000 So where does it end? So you've got basically would have that defensive back holding everybody hostage because he can always go in the portal. Now, there are some other players that have already used their one-time transfer exemption. So that if they transfer, they'd have to sit unless they're a grad transfer. And so in that respect, they don't have the leverage. And that's the point that I tried to make on Monday's show. What was so wrong with having people sit? Oh, but Steve, they should be able to play. Well, there has to be some type of protection for the university. And so, as I said on Monday's show, like we had some basketball players under Ben Howen that played very little and just said, you know, hey, they get here and they realize, yeah, I'm never going to play here. I'm not. You know, the players they play against, I'm probably better off maybe dropping down to G5, maybe the FCS. And obviously, if you drop a level, you get to play immediately. It's how the old rule used to work. But let's say, for an example, we have a basketball player that, we, you know, we sign him and he just doesn't progress. And maybe that kid's better off going to, to Southern Miss. Well, then we sign a waiver. They request a waiver for immediate eligibility. And we say, you know what, we have, we're not opposed to this. Well, then grant him immediate eligibility. I think that's the problem with all of this is we just said across the board, we're going to give everybody one-time transfer exception. And so now it's like, hey, give me more money or I'm going to transfer. And that's not the case with every individual situation. I'm not trying to suggest that. But there, there are some, there's some problems on the surface with how this is being implemented. I think we could all agree. And people say, well, Steve, I hate the transfer portal. You know, I hate it too in some respects, but I loved it when we were rebuilding our baseball team. And so it's not always going to be all positive for Mississippi State. It's not. We're going to lose some players. We're going to gain some players. I mean, Makai Polk had the greatest season as the receivers ever had at Mississippi State. We had him one year. He should have come back. He did. Steve Spurrier got in some hot water with some of you by saying he made a mistake. He did make a mistake. But also understand the need and desire to bet on yourself. Doesn't always work out. You know, Benique West Brown should have come back for another year. E40, Errol Thompson, should have come back for another year. 
And then Errol gets with the Falcons and has a really good preseason, and they elect not to keep him. I don't know what Errol's up to these days, but he would have made us a better football team. And again, we look at that's selfish, right? We look at we're thinking about what's best for Mississippi State, and what's best for Mississippi State may not be best for the individual. We never know what young people are dealing with. You know, I won't give you a name because I don't want to embarrass anybody. Uh, we had one player a few years ago that every time he got his monthly stipend check, he handed it over to his family. You didn't know about that? Yeah, they get a monthly stipend every single month to help with living expenses and things of that nature. But every stipend check he got, he gave to his family. And I think there were sometimes maybe he would get 100 or $200 out of that, but the family needed the money. Even though their kid was going to school on scholarship, the family needed the money. And so there are a lot of people out there that are dealing with things that you're unaware of. I've had some guys tell me before, it's like, hey, I'm going to go pro. Even though my feedback says I should come to school, but I think I'm good enough to at least make a practice squad. And you know what kind of money they make on a practice squad? That could change everything for my family for a while. And I believe once I get there, I can prove myself and maybe make the 53-man roster. And very few of them do. And so it's important to understand that. You have to be sensitive to the fact that many of these young people are not just your favorite players. They're people with families that have issues financially. And so that makes them at times a target for third parties. They may get out here and say, hey, listen, if you get in transfer portal, I can get you X amount of dollars from this place. And you know what? This school is going to pay up to keep you. And so now all of a sudden, we have made these street agents, you know, used to they'd only deal with a handful of kids and they try to exploit them for what they could get to get a kid to sign somewhere. Well, now basically once a semester, we're having to deal with that again. We're having to deal with third parties that are reaching out, trying to broker deals for kids to get money for themselves. It's not a good situation. You know, even some of the players that you know well, that you may never have heard of, you know, possibly transferring, some of them have been contacted too. There are people out there that have no scruples. It's all about what's in it for them. I think it's important to understand that. And so there has got to be a change. There has got to be something that happens that changes the course in which we're on. If not, we're going to be doing this every single semester. And you know, as well as I do, there'll be some star players out there across the country. It's like kind of like re-upping their deal, right? It's like, okay, you survived the January transfer portal window. You did. You got through the fall semester window. And we get through spring practice, and all of a sudden, maybe he's unhappy with his position coach. Maybe he's unhappy with the depth chart. Maybe he is unhappy with his proposed role in a new offense. Well, then all of a sudden, he gets an opportunity to renegotiate the deal May 1st through the 15th. I just don't think that's the right way to go through things. We talk about it being amateur athletics, and it's not. And now guys are getting paid. But now we went from, okay, Steve, basically all they're going to be able to do is make some money off their jersey sales and maybe appear in a local ad or something or be able to you know, be part of a national advertising campaign, and they deserve to be able to be compensated. They built a brand for themselves. And I was like, you know what? I agree. I do. This is not what they told us, though. This is not what they rolled out to us. We've been sold a bill of goods. And my, and my point behind all that is, is you have these rules in place. Enforce them. Everybody says you can't use the NIL 
is a recruiting inducement. Well, that should be easy to prove. I mean, you don't have to be Sherlock Holmes to be able to connect those dots. I mean, the Jaden Rashada case is out here publicly. I remember the Athletic, uh, this time last year, I guess, a ride around signing day last year. They had actual contracts from recruits. And so it, there, there's obviously a paper trail, and certainly there would be an electronic footprint. So go prove it. Make an example of somebody. And I, I don't know that that's coming. It should be. What's the point of having rules if we don't enforce them? And you can make all the rules you want. I mean, cheaters are going to find a way to get around it because that's what they are. They're cheaters. I mean, if I'm a cheater, I'll be a liar too. But things have to change. And I think it's important to understand that uh, I don't fault student-athletes for using the system that has been rolled out to them. They didn't choose this. Jaden Rashada wasn't in those discussions when they decided, hey, we're going to open up NIL. The adults, the university presidents, the athletic directors, they were the ones that made those decisions. So we can't blame the student-athletes for working for their own benefit within the framework of the system that the adults put together. And the thing that I go back to this, and again, you know, I was fortunate enough that my oldest son played college baseball. And I'll still be paying for that for a long time. Went to a private school. Wasn't, he got a nice scholarship, but it wasn't enough. He had to borrow some money. He's paid that off. I had to borrow some money. I'm still paying it off. I didn't go open up a GoFundMe or anything like that. I'm just paying for it. You know, I buy my own furniture. I got a bunch of shirts. My point being with all that is, is that playing college sports is a privilege and not a right. And every day that I got a chance to see my kid suit up, play for his university, play a game that he loved, it's worth every penny to me. I pay that loan payment gladly. Because I got memories that last me a lifetime. And, again, that was on the NAI level. He wasn't a D1 baseball player. I should have held him back a year. I mean, some of you guys hold your kids back until they're 20 as seniors or whatever, you know. We didn't do that. Matter of fact, he graduated in a class of about 1,000 people, and he was uh, one of the youngest people in the class. Pro- I probably did him a disservice, right? But he met his wife, and uh, they got married, and they're very happy, and they have a little girl, and uh, they brought a lot of joy to my life. But I can tell you this, there were a lot of his teammates – that didn't get a chance to play beyond the high school level. And I remember that day we had the little press conference at school, the signing ceremony, and all those guys came, and they all got their picture made, and it was a shared accomplishment. And it is what's pure about college athletics. It's like, you know what, hey, Ani was our best player. He was the MVP as a junior and a senior. He was an all-metro selection. He was an all-state baseball player. And the kids understood that, and they were happy for him. And so when he signed and we had the little ceremony and the advocate came and they took his picture and everything, it was a big deal for them because that was their teammate getting a chance to continue to play beyond the high school level. Some of that has been lost in this NIL instant transfer thing. It's no longer the privilege. Now all of a sudden people used to always say, well, these players are commodities. Well, now the players see themselves as a commodity. It's like, well, if everybody else is going to benefit off my talent, then I should too. And you know what? I absolutely agree with that. 
but not at the point that we have to renegotiate a contract every semester to get you to stay. Because I believe that's where this thing is headed in many respects. Because guys talk. And they're going to be out there and saying, hey, well, wait a minute. You were driving an 85 Ford Escort last semester. How did you get this uh, Chevy Stepside? Oh, well, I got it from uh, NIL. Well, how'd that happen? Well, I want to get a truck too. I want to be able to go take my girl out on a nice date in a nice queen vehicle. How do I do that? And so it's going to promote dissension. Now, again, everybody knows who the better players are, and the better players deserve to be compensated. They do. And I think anybody that that works out a deal, puts themselves in a good situation, if it's legal and permissible for them to be compensated, they should be. But the better players are going to have more opportunities. And guys understand that. And my hope is in that respect, maybe it's an inspiration. So you know what? I want to go out there and pick off five or six passes. I want to be first-time All-SEC. I want to go out there and do some big things. I want to go earn it. I don't want it given to me. And there's a lot of that. There's a lot of people out there. There's more people than ever in college athletics that have their hand out. More than ever. And it's not because of the fact that the kids are doing it, it or the students. It's the fact that the adults in charge of this waited around and let this thing unfold and explode in their faces, and now we're all picking up the tab on it, all of us, every single one of us. I, I talked with some, uh, some people here recently that work at Mississippi State, and I said, you know what? It makes it tough to keep up with college athletics. It does. It makes it tough because it's like there's not a level of commitment that there once was. There's not a level of loyalty. It's like I love your school. However, if your rival school is willing to give me a couple extra thousand dollars, I might love them too. I just, you know, maybe it's because of the fact that I'm just a person that is uh, you know, so adverse to change. Like when I, when I make a commitment to something, like if I, if I join an organization – I'm going to give them everything I have. That's not to say I'm going to be there forever. But while I'm there, I'm going to give them everything I got. And if I commit to a year, I'm going to give them a year. I'm going to do everything I can as long as I'm there. You know, when when uh, I married my wife, I, I'm married for life. That's the way I look at it. I didn't go into this thing thinking, well, if it doesn't work out in a few years, I, I'm still young. I got a flat stomach and a full head of hair, you know. Go find somebody else. And I'm going to tell you, it's not always been the best of times. That's life, especially when you're with somebody 30 years. But you make a commitment. And one of the things that I'm, I'm big on is if, if I tell you I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. You know, there are circumstances at times in life. And there's illness and things like that. And there are things that pop up that you, that you can't control. But one thing you can control is your character. And mine hadn't always been the best. My reputation hadn't always been the best. And a lot of that's because of the fact that uh, of the decisions that I made. And so I think when you make decisions for the right reasons, it's easier to stick with them. I mean, why did you choose a school in the first place? Well, if you chose them because they, they were willing to write the biggest check, you chose the wrong school. You know, I think being a Bulldog is a lifetime designation. I think when you choose Mississippi State, you're one of us forever. Now, if you quit, you run off, it's a little bit different deal, right? And some, listen, like some of those kids, like Reed Baez is a good example. Reed Baez, in my mind, is a Bulldog forever, forever. Now, he won't, he, he won't finish up with us. He'll finish up at South Alabama. That kid loves Mississippi State. 
but he loves football too. And I think Reed Byers would rather have an opportunity to play at South Alabama than just wear the uniform at Mississippi State. And I respect that. I think everybody does. But Reed Byers didn't leave for a bigger paycheck. Reed Byers left for another opportunity. And so I respect it. I don't have any respect for this Jaden Rashada craziness. I don't have any respect for that. Well, I'm picking a school because of money. And then you find out they can't pay you the money. It's almost poetic justice. I know when, when Ani picked uh, Williams Baptist, I, I know when we went up there, and I've shared some of this with you before, we had, we, had six, we had six visits set up, six unofficial visits and workouts set up. He had played a year of, of junior college ball in Mississippi, and um, we went to Williams, and we already made the decision before we got there. We're going to take all our visits. And then we get there, and they offer him a scholarship. And uh, I said, well, Coach, hey, it's nice to meet you guys. Thanks for working him out. We'll give you guys uh, a call. Let you know what we're going to do. And then Ani looks at me, and he says, uh, I need to talk to you in the hall. I get emotional just thinking about it. He said, I'm signing today. I said, dude, your mama hadn't even seen the place yet. He goes, it doesn't matter. He goes, you told me to make a grown man decision, and I'm making a grown man decision. And I said, well, tell me why. And he got tears in his eyes, and he said, this is where God wants me to be. Had nothing to do with money. Had nothing to do with being nine and a half hours from home. He knew where he needed to be. And the truth of the matter is, he had some people contact him at other schools after he'd had a couple of years at Williams and talked to him about transferring. You know, it's other players, you know. And they couldn't talk him out of it. It's like, hey, if you come here, it's a better opportunity. It's probably more scholarship money. It may even be a better education. And he's like, nah, I'm where I need to be. I wish more kids were like mine. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by your friends at Portico. I've told you guys before, if I was moving to Starkville now, I would move to Portico. I like it over there. I do. And, and trust me, a couple months ago, I even thought about, you know what? We're going to be empty nesters next year. Maybe I should put this house on the market and downsize and move to Portico and be real close to campus, be 1.1 miles away from campus. When I come home, I'll, you turn right off of 82 and boom, I'm right there at the house, right across in that neighborhood market. It'd be amazing. Decided not to do it. I guess in many respects, the wife decided not to do it. She goes, no, I want the kids to always have somewhere to come back to. And we have ball games or holidays. I want everybody sleeping at home. And I get it. I'm fine with that, right? Aren't you? But if you're thinking about maybe a second home or maybe, maybe just moving to Starkville, make it your primary residence. Maybe it's an investment property for you. I don't know. They've got answers for you at Portico. Give Brooks Bryan, my friend, your friend, friend of Mississippi State, former Diamond Dog, Give him a call or text today at 601-416-8075 at 601-416-8075. You'll be glad you did. You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home, go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home, and really anything in between. They can give you a custom build. You know, phase one's completely sold out. Phase two under construction. Some of those homes are already sold. Some are still available. There's also some lots out there. So, like, if you want to pick your lot and have a say in your house plan, you can do that too. I love it out there. I really do. You turn off 82 on the 12, like going to campus. You take that first ride on Pat Station Road. You go through the four-way stop. Boom, there it is. That's how close it is. But you're tucked away in a neighborhood, right? Not a lot of traffic out there, right? You're not right there on the highway. 
but you've got easy access to all the major highways in Starkville. So you can get in and out of here very easy. I'm telling you today, if I was moving to Starkville, there's no question I'd move to Portico. Make it your next move. All right, let's talk about a little recruiting here. There will be some weekend visitors uh, this weekend. Uh, there will be. And uh, we kind of touched on this a couple days ago. Uh, you know, we've got the uh, Georgia tight end was expected to visit this weekend. And uh, that may be a two-for-one deal. You can say, well, what do you mean, Steve? Well, Ryland Godet, of course, um, was supposed to visit this weekend, and uh, that's been pushed back the next weekend. You know, they had that tragic car accident, and God bless everybody involved in all that, where a player and a staffer were killed and two other people survived. And, and if you see the pictures of that accident, you wonder how anybody survived that. But uh, Ryland is going to be here next weekend, and uh, – as I mentioned on the show Monday, there's a connection there. Well, the connection is that he has a girlfriend. It's also in the portal. It's a volleyball player who also has an offer from Mississippi State. So they may come here together as a group. So you may have uh, Zach Arnett and Julie Darty, Dennis, working together to kind of make this thing happen. And State's got to get it some tight ends. We do. We absolutely do. Um, we haven't been in a tight end business for a little while. And now we are. But uh, we'd like to get Rowland for sure. Guy's been a part of two NAFL championship teams at Georgia. And here's the thing, too. You know, Justin Robinson's coming here, too, and didn't play a lot at Georgia. Guy's going to be a star for us. And so this is where I think the transfer portal is a good thing. You get a guy that maybe gets down the depth chart that's good enough to play elsewhere, especially when you get a place like Georgia or Alabama. Now you get a chance to go somewhere else and kind of reboot and reset things. And, and you got to think, the day Rowan shows up, if he chooses Mississippi State, he is TE1, right? He is number one on the depth chart. And so it's his job to lose. And so he's got to come in here. There's not a lot of competition. I'm sure that we will go through, you know, probably have some walk-ons and things like that, that that come in to kind of give us some warm bodies to get through practice. And then we'll probably work the portal again in the spring. And, they'll be, and to be honest with you, I think getting a tight end is probably a little bit easier to do. I think a guy that comes in in the spring could still be a difference maker in the fall. It's not like he's a quarterback, right? But I think getting a guy that's a tight end that is uh, still an integral part of the offense, but is not a guy that, that has to know a whole lot other than his own responsibilities. And so I think you could see a tight end or two that comes in in the spring or that makes the decision in May and joins the program in June and then is on the field in September. So if we don't get a tight end here in the next couple of weeks, don't panic. Don't panic. We're going we're gonna to get it done. I mean, Zach Garnett, every decision he's made so far, with rare exception, has been the right decision, right? I know many of you big fans of Mason Miller, you hated to see that, and that's not a shot at Will Friend at all. Will Friend's a guy that we've wanted to be our coach on the offensive line for years and years and years. But Mason's a guy that we all like. And so you, you kind of hated that. But every hire that he's made, it's been a very good one. Every decision that he's made, it's been a very good one. And so we work through this process, and we have trust in Zach Arnett. He will staff this team and this roster out with the personnel needed to ensure that we win football games next year. There were some times, you know, of course, the last couple of weeks, we start thinking, man, we've got a, such a favorable schedule next year, we're going to shoot ourselves in the foot. I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's the case. And you start thinking, well, you lost Ra Ra, and you almost lost Xavion, and then you could have lost Tulu. Well, you only lose Ra-Ra and you lose him to the two-time defending NAFL champions, right? Yeah, I don't like it, but I understand it, 
right? But, but Zach and the, the crew have done a good job kind of holding this thing down, kind of making sure they keep the roster intact. Then a good job securing commitments. And so they'll do a good job. I think, again, we've got a small sample size, but what we know of the decision-making process of Zach Arnett is very positive. And so I think things will continue to, uh, to trend in the right direction. Now, Mississippi State's going to host two junior days. Unfortunately, I won't be there this weekend. We'll do a junior day this weekend and a junior day next weekend. And uh, so Paul will be covering that for you guys this weekend. We'll tag team it next weekend. Yeah, I'll be back from, uh, from New Mexico. I hope it's the last trip I ever have to make to Albuquerque, New Mexico, to be honest with you. Um, so look for some junior day coverage at jeanspage.com this weekend. Nobody else is going to have that. You know, we'll, we'll have uh, kind of details and information about who was here uh, and who wasn't here. You know, and a lot of these guys are just kind of getting another process. The junior day is a big deal. Now, used to years ago, you expected to get commitments on junior day. And, and there are some of those, but it's not like it has been. You know, there are sometimes there are guys that have been Mississippi State leans their entire life and you know you want to take them and you want to get the ball rolling and build some momentum on the recruiting trail. So you kind of stage those commitments. It's like, hey, we're going to wait. And maybe you prime the pump a little bit. And you tell that kid, well, what, if, what, what would you do if we offered you? A coach I'd commit on the spot. Well, then you do it at junior day. Because then the other kids get to see that stuff too, right? Oh, man, I need to be a part of this. That guy was a great guy, right? So there is a little bit of theater with all that. But nowadays, you know, there's just not as much urgency in the early months to gain commitments. You know, of course, if you're the University of Georgia or Alabama, you know, anybody that you take at this point is probably going to be a four- or five-star type guy. You know, I remember a couple of years ago, there was this skinny, wiry cornerback from Grenada High School, and I took his picture, and I thought, this guy may end up being a Southern Miss kid. I don't know if he's going to be able to carry the weight to play in the SEC. He ends up being an All-American, right? And so a lot of times it's our first time to kind of get to know these guys, and uh, it's, it's brand new for them. Interviewing juniors this time of year is a lot of fun because their eyes are just completely wide open. And there's so many of those kids that will say, I will go anywhere to play. Anywhere. I just want an opportunity to play anywhere. I'll go anywhere. Anywhere in the country to play. And then, of course, when they decide in December, it's like, well, I wanted to stay closer to home. You know, because that's what happens in the beginning of the process. You're so desperate to keep your dream alive. You know, what's moving a few states away to ensure you get your college education paid for? But then as they begin to get offers and they begin to kind of realize what their opportunities are and they begin to figure out what matters most to them, most of them stay closer to home. And, and that's the thing you look at, too, historically – and it's not a recent phenomenon. We've seen some of that happen in recent years. But when you have a kid from Mississippi go somewhere that's maybe outside of the SEC footprint, they generally don't stay. I mean, you look at D.J. James, former Bulldog commitment out of, out of Alabama, went to Oregon, ended up transferring to Auburn. I can't remember the running back, the one that played with Dylan at, uh, at St. Joe. Goes to Oregon, transfers to Florida State. You know, and so you have that a lot. And so I think that's one thing the numbers you can kind of show. That more times than not, the Mississippi kids stay home or go and play in border states. More times than not. And I think with our commitment to Mississippi recruiting, you're going to see some earlier commitments in the spring. I think once we get a chance to get out of spring evaluation period and see some guys and see how they move around and kind of see how they play, that we'll be a lot more aggressive with that. Anybody you take right now, 
is a no-doubt type player, right? Somebody that you know you want to take. Like, I'll take him today. I take him into the process. And you got to get some some guys in the wagon sooner rather than later to kind of start building the class. I mean, you think about Ty Jones last year. I mean, Ty Jones was a guy that committed to state very, very, very early. And there was never any drama with him at any point. And he'll take his finally get a chance to take his official visit this weekend. He, he was supposed to come when everybody else came, and he was recovering from surgery. And so he'll finally get a chance to come here and have some fun, be around his guys and his future teammates. And so you're always happy to see that. You're always happy to see those guys at the culmination of the recruiting process, be able to take that visit. And he's already signed. Of course, Leon Bell was here last weekend, and he'd already signed as well. And so I think all that's important. But uh, it all started more times than not for these guys with a junior day trip. You know, a chance to come down and see the campus and tour the facilities. And their eyes get all big, and it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, amazing it would be to come here. And that's one thing that Dan Mullen used to say, and I give Dan a lot of credit for this. You know, we really committed to facilities uh, when Dan was here that if we could just get them here because people are so pleasantly surprised because more times than not, maybe their high school coach played here as an opponent or toured here as a recruit, and they're not aware of all the updating that we've done to our facilities. And so they come in, and it's like their expectations are low, and then they're blown away because they've been under-promised, and then we over-deliver. And so I think that's an important aspect of things, too, is you just got to get them here. And you know what kind of people we are. I mean, who couldn't love us, right? You get our people here, you get them on campus, and, and that's one thing that I'll say, really no matter who the coach has been, maybe maybe when Joe brought in some Northern guys, it was a little bit different, you know, and that's not a criticism of them. It's just there's just certain things about the Southeastern culture that's just – they don't call us a hospitality state for nothing, right? But we have done a great job over the years – especially with our support staff. Like I think about uh, Andrea and everybody on that crew. They are so warm and welcoming to people. It doesn't matter who you are. When you walk in, it feels like, oh, well, this doesn't feel like a college. This, it feels like a family. And we, we throw that thing around. And that's the thing about the portal thing, too. It's like, you know, we're, we're kind of family with an asterisk. You know, we're family with, you know, with some, some conditions apply, right? But we do such a good job with these junior day events and these camp events where, you know, your student workers and everybody involved with Mississippi State football recruiting do such a good job making everybody feel at home. And, like, Andrea is kind of an unsung hero. I mean, she really is. They do a good job keeping her around. But, like, she is the person that all the moms know. Like, when they show up and it's like, oh, it's Andrea. So she goes up. She's from Morton. Her dad played at Ole Miss, ironically enough, Right. But uh, they come up, they hug her. Like, I mean, she, she's as big a deal as Mike Leach was to a lot of people, you know I mean, because that's their point of contact. And so this is really the first chance for them to kind of come in and kind of get to meet these people. And I know that our people will hit a home run with this. I have no, no doubt about it. Will there be any commitments this weekend? I don't know. You, you just never know at this point. I, I love early commitments because uh, I love being able to break down film and and rank players and things of that nature and, and write the, the scouting reports. I love getting to know what the new look Bulldogs look like. Some of these guys I've seen in person. I don't get out to as many high school games as I used to. I used to go to three games a week. And uh, now I go to maybe half a dozen a year. But that's the magic and joy of huddle, right? You don't always have to go get out. When we first started covering games years ago, huddle didn't exist. And sometimes you'd get a game film from a coach on a DVD and then you had to send a DVD back, right? A lot has changed. And so the access to information 
is unlike at any point in human history, especially from an evaluation standpoint, because, you know, there's a lot of different websites we can get on and pull out film and that sort of stuff. And, and uh, your coaches have more information to choose their players than at any time before. So excited about Junior Day. Sorry I won't be there this weekend. And, uh, again, eager to get back next week. I'm, well, I'm going to have a good time this weekend uh, with the wife, I can promise you. I'm going to look forward to that. But I'll be back next weekend, and uh, we'll get some good pictures for you, and uh, we'll have, you know, double-barrel coverage. Uh, next week but be sure this weekend to be able to check in at jeanspage.com if you're not a member you should be and we'll be uh, updating you paul will have like a junior day thread kind of keep everybody abreast of kind of the comings and goings and 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 just some observations right so it's insider information that you won't get anywhere else at jeanspage.com all right if you hadn't done so go to dogpilebook.com and you can order all my sports books there it's uh flim flam alpha dog stark villains and dogpile blooms voliander available through Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com, BooksMillion.com, or your local bookstore. You can have them order it for you direct from Ingram. And if you're looking for Stark Villains gear, and you should be, get it at StarkVillains.com. I can tell you right now, there's somebody right now within the sound of my voice that wanted a Stark Villain hoodie or a Stark Villain t-shirt for Christmas that didn't get it. And you probably know them. So just go order it for them, right? They probably asked you for it. Like, oh, I didn't know where to get it. Or I forgot about it. StarkVillains.com. Go take care of it today. You'll be glad you did. All right, we'll be back on uh, Thursday night. And uh, it will probably be earlier Thursday night than normal. I don't plan to stay up all hours of the night because I want to hit the road early Friday uh, and get as far as I I can. I'll drive all the way. You know, I'm a road warrior. I'll drive all the way to New Mexico. And uh, my wife works Friday night, so then uh, I'll sleep late with her Saturday, and then we'll get up, and uh, we're going to spend some time in Santa Fe and have a great time. And um, I encourage you this weekend, get out and enjoy your family. If you've got a significant other, date night's always good. And uh, Valentine's Day will be here before you know it. So you need to be planning ahead. Don't wait to the last minute. I know the ladies will take care of their end of it. Chances are the lady in your life has probably already got a good idea what they're going to get you, and maybe you hadn't even thought about what you're going to get them. Let me encourage you to be thinking about that. I'm a very thoughtful gift giver. My wife will tell you I'm arguably the best gift giver in the history of the world. Because I put a lot of time and thought and effort into it. Um, But I've given her so much over the last couple months with her being gone that uh, I'm kind of drawing a blank myself. But I'm just going to tell you, don't wait till February 12th to kind of figure it out. Then you're dependent on like overnight shipping from Amazon. Be thinking ahead now about what you want to get them. And make Valentine's Day special. That's one of the things that probably has been driven home to me, kind of reminded of to me over the course of the last couple of years is you never know when it's the last one, right? And I don't mean that you break up or whatever. I mean, God forbid something happened, right? I mean, how many times do you look back at your life and say, you know what, man, I wish I could have talked to my dad one more time. I wish I, wish I had this, wish I had one more opportunity. What if this Valentine's Day is the last time you're together? So make a big deal. That's one thing I've always done is made a big deal on my wife's birthday, even when she tells me not to. Make a big deal out of her birthday. And, and maybe I'm a fatalist in many respects. I mean, it's, it's, oh, you worry so much. Maybe I do. But I know this, that uh, I think it's important that we celebrate the people in our lives that we truly love because they deserve it. I mean, when another person gives you their love, it's a gift. You didn't earn it. I mean, you may do your best to maintain it by returning your love and doing wonderful and thoughtful things. But if somebody gives you their love, it's a gift. It should never be taken for granted. 
under any circumstances. Even even when you're a little bit mad, you know, cause you know how it is. Sometimes you send the text, and maybe you didn't get the response you wanted. You know, you send some heartfelt thing, and you get back, okay, great, love you too. You know, and he's like, I poured my heart out to her. Why, you know, why didn't she pour her heart out to me? Well, sometimes they're just not able to do it. Or maybe they don't have the words to do it. But the reality of it is, love is a gift. And uh, I am a big proponent of love. I believe I've got it tattooed on my arm. Love conquers all. And I, and I believe that with all that I have within me. And so I encourage you, love those that love you and show that love in every way possible. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.